Well, hello, welcome to the BCC. Thank you for uh, being here this morning. In case you don't know who I am, my name is Anzi, and, um, and I work in the church as a, a youth pastor, um, junior youth pastor. We're going to continue with our series, Kingdom Vision. We started this series in, um, the, on the 1st of September. Uh, we figured, actually, we should really do this uh, at the start of the academic year as opposed to the new year, new year, um, because a lot of people aren't going to be around during the new year. Um, so on the week one, actually, we talked about uh, Kingdom Vision as a whole, but explored um, Genesis 2 and God's original paradise, uh, looking how humankind um, having a purpose and responsibility, looking at how having an intimate and precious relationship with God, what that looked like, um, and then where we are designed and deliberately made by God and created for community and connections with one another. On week two, Ben um, looked at Genesis 12, God's vision for his kingdom, a vision for all humanity and how God is in control, God is just, and he has a plan for the kingdom for everyone. And then last week, Bert looked at the city of God, this topic, um, and how a city is actually a gathering of people, but um, we're also citizens of heaven built upon Jesus uh, uh, as to what it looks like being part of a city of God versus city of man and while being challenged to grow in depth uh, in Christ. And this week, we'll be exploring, um, we'll be concluding the introduction of the kingdom of vision um, Exploring kingdom living. Um, what does it mean to live in seeking after God's kingdom through our everyday living? But of course, um, let's look at the word itself, kingdom, in case you're still confused as to what this concept is all about. Um, traditionally, if you look on the, in the dictionary, um, English dictionary, Merriam-Webster actually quotes as a politically organized community or territory that has a monarchy form of government headed by a king or queen. So that is basically kingdom. Um, and as you know, we're in the United Kingdom. I don't know how united we are, what with the Brexit coming. But, um, but basically, we are a kingdom. Um, we, are, we have this thing called a constitutional monarchy. Uh, and I was reading up on, you know, what, does the, what powers does the queen have? And I wonder if you guys know what powers the queen has. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and kind of like discuss briefly what what power does the queen have in this country All right, so any, any takers, any spokespeople? What power does the queen have aside from being on all our banknotes and stamps and coins? Any, any takers? Somewhat, somewhat. Somewhat. Any, anything else? She has to sign off some of the laws, some of them. Anything else? Yeah? Ooh. Oh, yes. She does have some power, yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I was looking into what it says on the, uh, the monarchy, the royal website, and it says, uh, actually, the queen, um, she has some authority, but not absolute authority. 
Um, she, you know, we know that in this in this nation, we function with Parliament as the main sort system of governance. But the Queen doesn't have, it says on the, her website, that she doesn't have any political or executive role, uh, but acts as a national identity, uh, promoting unity and giving a sense of stability and continuity. Um, you've got other kingdoms such as Belgium, Denmark, Sweden. Um, they're also not absolute authority. But there are other um, mon autocratic kingdoms such as Saudi Arabia where the king actually rules completely, has the ultimate power. But thankfully, we live in a, we live in a good place where you know, there's a bit of, um, yeah, just not as much um, serious rule by the queen. So, kingdoms, basically, uh, king, kings and queens, royalty, we all know this, um, and we know kingdoms as a place, or you can technically call kingdom as a realm, um, a location where there is a king or a queen, a geographical area where the, it, where the people um, has um, yeah, a king or a queen, buildings and institutions. But the Bible actually uses the word kingdom a lot. Uh, we have been using the, the word kingdom a lot since we started this new theme. Um, but looking at, at it all, there are two distinct definitions for the word kingdom in a biblical sense. So we explored the realm, kingdom as a place or a nation, a location. It's a, a noun, a collective noun, or a group of people. Um, and the biblical kingdom looks at the future. So last week, we looked at the city of God, Revelation, as a place, a realm, God's ultimate realm. But then this second word, the biblical definition of kingdom, uses it as kingdom reign. To reign means uh, to rule. Um, it's an action. It's a verb. It's um, marking as the present, which we'll explore in a minute. But the kingdom of God is to be seen as the king's dominion over which he reigns completely. To reign, to rule. It's an action, it's a verb, the reign of God, the kingdom of God. God reigning and having the absolute utmost authority over everything. So there's an overview that I came across. Um, in ID, we're looking at God's big picture. And I really love this little, um, you know, this, this um, table graph thing. Um, I tried to make it fit in with the theme of these slides, but never mind. Um, but that's beside the point. So as you know, um, looking at the overview, you can see that God has been very much involved in extending his kingdom throughout um, both uh, the realm and the reign here on earth. Um, through the course of what's tracked here from the beginning of the Bible, that's in Genesis, um, we, we looked at that, um, kingdoms, God, uh, God's kingdom, um, and then uh, both realm and reign from the start, only human beings sin, um, hence the fall, um, and then God builds it back up. In the middle, you see that actually um, God's people um, were demanding a king. So King Saul happened, only he had issues later on. And then, as you're aware, if you're aware of um, Old Testament stories, you will know that kings reigning and ruling, they weren't so biblical. Although God called King David after um, God's own heart, but, but, um, but even then, later on, he sinned. And then you have prophets and priests that come along um, acting as a warning for the nation of Israel if they, you know, they, they just need to keep coming back to God. And so, as you can see, you know, there's an um, uh, up and down um, thing going on in the graph. But a lot of kings, a lot of nations, they were building their own realm, um, living selfishly. But fundamentally, the nation of Israel fell into ruin um, in the exile time, Babylon, and just descending downwards. 
But in today's sermon, we will be looking at when Jesus came and changed things up, um, how Jesus is Lord over this realm and the next, and the idea of kingdom reigning, um, and how Jesus reigns today, tomorrow, and forever. The idea of kingdom reign, and how that changes our living to become more of kingdom living. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Um, So we constantly see these words used interchangeably within the Bible. Is there a difference? Is there a difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven? Are they two separate things or is it the same? Actually, they represent exactly the same idea. So um, you'll find kingdom of God, the the, the title used in the book of Matthew. Um, And the book of Matthew was actually written um, to target Jewish audiences um, because for a Jewish person, they, for a devout Jew, they would not use the word uh, God or Yahweh because it was seen as too sacred and, um, and they weren't to be used lightly or frequently. So they would use kingdom of heaven um, instead. Whereas um, in the book of Mark and Luke, the kingdom of God is easier expression for non-Jewish people to understand. So these terms um, basically mean the same thing. Um, What's interesting is, when I was doing my research, um, that actually in all four of the Gospels, um, the first time Jesus is quoted in their books, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God right away. Basically, the start of Jesus' ministry is all about the kingdom. So Matthew uh, 4, 17 From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Mark 1.15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Luke 4.43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And John 3.3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, verse 3, or enter the kingdom of God, verse 5. So Jesus came to bring good news, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Fundamentally, it's good news, but it's also bad news too. So there's this question that um, people normally ask, do you want to hear some good news or some bad news? Um, A few weeks ago, I asked the teens this question, do you want some good news or some bad news? I gave them a choice, which one do you want to hear first? I found it really interesting that majority of them wanted to hear the bad news first and then to finish off with the good news, just to take away that bitter taste of the bad news. And so here I am um, to share with you some bad news and then some good news. Um, and of course, n- being that I'm up here uh, preaching, um, I'm sure you all guess that um, the good news, if I'm here sharing from God's word this morning, it's basically summed up in this passage to follow. Um, a very well-known Christian verse that we should all know off by heart. Um, I wonder if you know which one I'm going to talk about. It's actually John 3.16, but I'm going to be reading onwards. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So Jesus was all about the good news, but he also had bad news too. Let's start by talking about the bad news. So the bad news is, I've highlighted it on the screen, it's highlighted in red, perish. Perish means basically to die, okay? Condemned, that's judgment. This is the bad news. The bad news is that we are all dying. We are all perishing. In a legal courtroom situation, we are deemed guilty by a judge and sentenced. And the sentence is the judgment, to be condemned. That's the condemnation. But why is this bad news? If we read on, people loved darkness. Deeds were evil. Evil hates the light, and um, we will not come into light for fear that the deeds will be exposed. So these, these are all negative things, okay? These are, we're all basically perishing. We're all dying. We are people by nature love darkness instead of the light. We are not lovers of light. We don't like the light. We're not lovers of Christ. We're not lovers of God or holiness. We are selfish by nature, sinners by nature, and we do evil deeds, We do evil deeds for selfish gain, um, and we don't want to expose our sinful things in the light because it's better to hide the shameful things. But the truth is, and the heartbreaking fact is, is that we are all perishing. We are all dying. Unless, unless we are rescued. In John 3, 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. So here we read, God's wrath remains on them, on us. God's wrath is on us. This is the condemnation. This is the death penalty. The wrath of God is basically eternal separation from him, eternal torment, eternal condemnation. We know that in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, unless we are rescued. And that's where John 3.16, the summary of the gospel is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is the good news, the love of God at the expense of his son's life, rescues us from the wrath of God. My mind was blown when um, I realized, you know, actually, what does God rescue us from? God rescues us from his wrath upon us. God rescues us from himself. We are by default sinners. We have corruption. We have death. We have, um, we have illnesses. We have problems. Um, we're all wasting away day by day. We have so much sin. And yes, we do deserve God's wrath. But all these things are dealt with by the wonderful and merciful Father who comes in love to rescue us because he loved the world. He sends his son that whoever believes will not die. Whoever believes will not receive his wrath. And because of this, he brings us into full fellowship with him. We have a magnificent God who saves us through his son. He came into the world. And the one thing that links us between God giving his son and us not perishing, but having instead eternal life, is actually this one thing, okay? And the one thing is this, this word, this link, this verb, and it is to believe. Whoever believes in him... There is a God um, who provided a son. Yes, we have eternal life. We won't die. 
but the, the link is to believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And this was the start of Jesus' ministry, um, the start of the gospel. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. To repent is to say, God, I've you know, done some really bad things in my life. Um, please you know, forgive me for X, Y, Z. And then to believe that he saved you. And I think it's not just applied to non-Christians. It applies to even Christians on a daily basis. We are to repent and believe the good news of what Jesus has done. We need to say sorry to God, asking God to forgive us and truly mean it and to turn away from those sins. And we need to believe. And the beautiful thing is, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, the word is whoever, whoever believes in him, that's you and me here today, anyone, everyone in the world, there's so much um, inclusivity um, here with this, whoever believes in him, what all preciously included, and we all dearly loved by God, that he would rescue us. John, 20, uh, John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Ravi Zacharias, he had a quote, Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. And that's what the God's kingdom is all about. It's so that we can have eternal life, no longer death, but to be alive. Being part of God's kingdom is um, to have eternal life. It's our future is secure. Future guaranteed access to heaven, receiving eternal life. This realm, his kingdom, his kingdom realm. And in this part, it affects our present current day, um, which leads us to the kingdom of God as a reign of God. Okay. So kingdom of God uh, affects our future and it affects our presently too. So kingdom of God as the reign of God, um, as we, we've explored, king, kingdom of God is a place, but it's not just a place, but rather when reading the scripture, the biblical perspective can be seen as God's universal reign as creator and as Lord, um, from Genesis all the way to Revelations, and from Revelations all the way to today and the future and beyond. So the kingdom of God is basically the reign of God on earth. It's the concept of God reigning and ruling here on earth. It's the, his kingdom minion, his rule, his reign over his people. So as I previously mentioned, um, Jesus spoke extensively about the kingdom of God slash heaven, the reign of God from the start of his ministry here on earth. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or in some translations, it, it reads as um, the kingdom of heaven is here. Um, it's Jesus saying, I'm here to reign. And that's his way of, you know, an active verb. Um, and even in Matthew 6.10, Jesus uh, teaches the disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer. And he teaches us here as well today. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the coming of God's kingdom with the doing of his will, where God's will is done um, with perfect submission, as in accordance with the New Testament, God's kingdom is revealed. It's praying for God to bring heaven to earth in bringing his rule and reign over this entire planet. We also know that the reign of God is present throughout the whole entire Bible. God's kingdom 
or to reign of or the reign of God is best revealed through Jesus, uh, making God's reign a living reality um, for all to see. His miracles and especially um, him, ex- you know, doing casting out demons. That's an obvious sign that Jesus has ultimate power and authority. They testify of God's goodness. There are times when, um, you know, we we might be busy or we might forget to pick up the Bible. Maybe your Bible um, is covered in dust or, you know, you don't even swipe on your phone to look at the Bible. Um, There are times when I feel like, oh, God, why are you so distant? Why are you so far away from me? Why are you not listening to me? I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling confused, downright depressed. But then I realized, oh, actually, when was the last time I picked up God's word? Because actually God speaks through his word. Um, I've forgotten that actually I have an almighty God who does want to speak to me and cares for me dearly. But here, I'm, here I am not actually opening the lines of communication, the channels for him in which to speak to me. It's not just a case of I'm just going to come on a Sunday and be in church and worship and hear God's word. But actually a communication happens every day between you and God. And it starts with picking up your word um, with God's word. Um, because with the moment I pick up God's word, is, um, it's, it's you using a weapon to fight against Satan. Um, it's when we turn to God's word, reading it, we are reminded that actually God has ultimate power and authority. And the Bible is full of examples of God's powerful reign revealed. One verse just won't hack it if we are fighting. It's like taking a small little dust bit from the Grand Canyon. But actually, the Bible is so much beautiful. It's like as big as the Grand Canyon. There's so much to explore in the Bible. And if we're daily fighting against Satan's traps, we really need to dig in and we really need to chew daily into God's word. And if you read God's word, it is very much evident. In John um, 20, 31, it reads, um, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Throughout the book of John, it talks extensively about Jesus' miracles. Those are written to prove that Jesus is Messiah. And we also need to be reminded daily of God's power through reading his word, God speaks black and white when we turn to him and read his word. This past um, summer, I went to Sweden and, um, and God actually spoke to me, um, because I was, you know, having a hard time. I was really tired. There was a lot of work to do. I had six talks to prepare for mission team to lead. There was a lot of, you know, uh, crossing cultures and like adjusting. Oh my gosh, you're speaking Swedish. I don't understand you. You have a funny accent. Oh my gosh, there's so much happening. Um, and I was, I was getting a bit like, you know, not good. But at the same time, I knew that I had to hold on to God's word. I knew that, you know, this was the channel in which God was to communicate directly to me. And, um, and he spoke to me through his word. He encouraged me. He reminded me, actually, this is a harvest season. The summertime is a harvest season when everyone is free. They're not in school. Um, they really want to learn. They, they want to, you know, grow. And yes, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, we should be joyful and serve. And, and this is not a chore, but this is a, this is a joy and it is a privilege. And, and that just spoke straight to my heart that actually, you know, God knew what I had to hear. And so for all of us, even um, for all of us, when we pick up the word, when we really need to hear from God, we pick up the word, he will speak into a specific situation. Um, And you will remember because you get that warm and fuzzy feeling inside and you know it, that God is speaking to your specific situation. 
And fundamentally, Jesus, um, God's one and only son, because he loved the world so much, sent Jesus into the world so that we don't die, but have eternal life. We have hope. And, and God wants to tell us that every day. And that is basically God's authority and reign. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. During his, uh, his three years of ministry, Jesus did all those things, all those miracles. Um, he was healing and he was saving and he was preaching the good news. He was doing so many good things. But he did tell the people not to disclose that he is King or Lord or even the Messiah. Even though the people could see very clearly that he was the Messiah, he, he did all those things before their very eyes. But Jesus was blatantly reigning, yes. But Jesus was very low-key about it. His time was not yet up. Imagine if Jesus claiming his kingship loud and clearly um, during his three years of ministry, causing disruption from day one, he would have been arrested by day two. But, um, but yet his time had not yet come until three years later, and Jesus knew when. But eventually, when his time had come, and Pontius Pilate asked him if he was the king of the Jews, what did, what did Jesus say then? When Pontius Pilate asked him if he was king of the Jews, he said, you have said so. He didn't deny it. He remained silent. He accepted his reign on earth. And as Jesus hung on the cross for you and I, a punishment that he did not deserve, he never sinned. He was perfect, blameless. He didn't need to be punished. He had a title over his head that said, the king of the Jews. Though the soldiers mocked him and spat at him, using cheap irony, hail the king of the Jews. The truth is, he really is the king of the Jews. And he was reigning from the cross. Jesus predicted this all in, um, in Matthew 16 and 21 and later Matthew 17 when he, when he told his disciples that actually he will go to Jerusalem and suffer um, many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Um, and his disciples were griefed um, with this information. And that is the sad news that Jesus was dying. But you and I all know that actually the good news is that he came back to life three days after. Um, they remembered, eventually the disciples remembered his words eventually, and they were overjoyed. But Jesus reigns from the cross. His death on the cross is a sign that he is reigning. Um, it's not a typical um, thing that you see for any king or queen to be reigning from a cross. But this is our, our king who, who came humbly um, and he willingly, you know, put himself for the sake of us, put himself on, oh, to death for the sake of us. As he breathed his last breath, all of sin in all of humanity, the past, present, and future sin was laid upon him, the wrath of God upon our King and Lord Jesus. In Matthew 27, 51, 52, it reads that there was an earthquake, the, the rock split, the earth shook, the tombs broke open. The holy people, past, present, and future, who had died, were raised to life, going to the holy city, the heavenly kingdom realm, city of God, through the resurrection. I don't know about you, but I can see that this is pretty much God's mighty power and authority over death. God reigns over absolutely everything. He himself came back to life three days after. He reigned over death. He conquered over sin and death, reigning over that. And death is the last enemy to be destroyed. That is Jesus triumphing over Satan. And so this is Jesus reigning. Jesus is Lord and King. 
Can you say that too? Jesus is Lord and King. Will you say that? Jesus reigns from the cross. Jesus is Lord and King. That he rightfully takes the place as King, his King dominion, reigning presently, which affects our future. He did this because he is rightfully the King, rightfully reigns. The kingdom of heaven has come. Repent and believe and follow him. And he has our best interests at heart, like the parable of the hidden of treasure um, and the, par- the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is valuable and worth it all. So as I showed earlier, this is the overview, the big picture of God's reign. And later on, um, you know, so it starts off in Genesis and, it, and, and God's reign revealed through calling out the people um, for himself to bless through Abraham. I will make you a great nation in Genesis 12. God reigning through power and might as he demonstrates his sovereign reign through the 12 plagues uh, during the Exodus, um, parting of the Red Sea. God reigning through providing a way out for his people whenever they are lost through prophets and priests even through prophecies regarding Jesus throughout the Old Testament, all the way up to God reigning through sending God's one and only son because he loved the world, that whoever believes won't die but have eternal life. And God is reigning through him by his resurrecting Jesus the, and then through the Pentecost, demonstrating God's reign and power through the Holy Spirit. And God reigns today as we wait for Jesus' second coming, as we wait but what's our responsibility as we wait uh, for Jesus' second coming? And this is giving, uh, kingdom living, our responsibility. What does kingdom living look like for us as followers today, as followers of Jesus, as Christians? What's our responsibility living under the kingdom of God or the reign of God? What does kingdom living look like? We know that our future is secure. Our names are written in the book of life, but presently, we live here on earth. We still have a responsibility. Kingdom living is basically we need to let God reign in our lives. So that means submitting to his authority, letting him help us. We just need to trust and follow and obey him. So because of the father's love for us, because of this free gift of grace, this new life, because of what he has done this should compel us to, um, to follow him, uh, trusting and obeying him, to let God reign in our lives. Instead of controlling our lives, um, let God control and reign over every aspect of our lives, be it um, our finances. Am I you know, glorifying God in my bank account or am I just spending beyond my means or my tithing? Our relationships, um, am I letting God reign in, in my relationships or am I manipulating my friends? Am I manipulating um, the people around me just so that I can get my own way? The way we raise our children, um, the way we serve, the way we think and talk and move or even in our worship. Um, are we letting him reign and rule over that? I know that God really wants to reign in our lives and to help you. We know that from past experience, the moment we take full control, things might go haywire. We sin, we fall short, we fail. We've heard the stories in the Bible of um, this person or that person or that king uh, failing because they didn't turn to God. 
And so there are days when I like to plan things to the T. I like to know, you know, oh yeah, or on Wednesday I'm gonna I'm gonna meet with Jane, and then after that I'm gonna go here and do this, and then after that I'm gonna go back home and do my work. Um, this past week it was a bit crazy. Um, loads of things were happening. I was planning for this sermon, and I I had a lot to do. I was um, trying not to procrastinate, but then you know things were happening, and then so as I said, you know, I met with Jane. Um, she came round. It was really cute. Um, she's yeah, she's got a newborn baby and. And she's struggling to cut his fingernails. And um, so I've been uh, helping her um, to cut his fingernails because otherwise he's scratching all over himself. And then after that, I met up with um, someone who was interviewing at the BBC um, and just debriefed with her. And then after that, um, like, I was meant to go home. But, but actually, God made it happen that this person who I really needed to speak to, like, um, but I was waiting for this person to come back to church, but this person hadn't been to church for a while. Um, I bumped into her. And it just so happened that she was free and she wanted to talk. And, and I thought, oh, uh, maybe I should go. Maybe I, yeah, I, I, even though I have this plan to, to control my day. Um, but I think God, you know, God really wanted me to go and speak to this girl. And so I had a second dinner with her, um, didn't eat much. But um, the point is I was, you know, there and I was ready to, you know, be used by God um, to help this girl. And then later on, um, Edwin and Jason came and dropped off things. And then later on, there was a phone call. But as you can see, like, there are days where, you know, we plan things, but actually God um, makes things happen. Um, it's, I call them divine appointments when God really provides um, different people that, you know, he really wanted you to speak to or even to be encouraged by um, when things aren't planned. But, um, but God plans to make them happen. Um, people need support. I'm available to talk um, and pray with people. Um, But sometimes for all of us, we also need to uh, provide support. Um, And there are times when we also need support. We just need to be flexible and let God rule and lead us. Um, If God is leading you to go and speak to that person who really needs, um, you know, help and you know that they're going through a hard time, go and speak to them. Go and be used by God. Be flexible and open to the Holy Spirit's prompting and leading to reign in your life and to reign in your days, to let his spirit lead because he is in control of everything. So kingdom living is actually about letting God reign in our lives. We need to let God reign through us. God reigns in our lives today, but we also need to let God reign through us. And by that, I mean that, you know, he has given us responsibilities and a purpose to tend and care and rule over things. In Genesis 1, um, 28, God blessed them and said to them, to Adam and Eve, um, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So it says here, rule, to rule over. Um, he has given us a, a, some some level of responsibility to tend and take care of things. He will never give us more than what we can handle. All the things under your care has been given to you to to train you to be good stewards, to rule over, for God reigns in this way through you. So to ask yourself, who or what has God put under my care? Who Who or what has God put under my care? For young kids, it's knowing how to tidy up after themselves. They have to learn about that, um, submitting to their parents and listening um, because they're still trying to, you know, they're, they're not developed um, cognitively and so they don't know how to figure things out. So, of course, they need to listen to their parents. Learning about boundaries, forming relationships and friendships and developing skills, learning at school. For teenagers, um, 
they have to learn what it means to take care of their things, maybe looking after their pets, looking after their bedroom, tidying up that, um, and even taking care of their hygiene at that point where, you know, they start to develop all sorts of um, different bodily puberty stuff. Um, teenagers, they need to learn about that, um, to take care of that. For students... Maybe it's uh, learning to manage their finances, student loan, what do I do with all this um, increase in my bank account? Maybe um, they have more time, so maybe it's time to serve. Um, maybe it's time to, you know, um, put God first. Um, maybe they're on worship team. Maybe they're on Sunday school. Um, it's about learning about time management. It's about studies. It's about group work. It's about even um, learning about caring in your relationships, friends or frenemies um, or flatmates and being gracious to them uh, if they don't clean or wash the dishes. For adults, um, maybe when you start leading teams at work or in church, management at work, in your families with kids or even old age parents. Or how about in society? It's our responsibility to care and to lead and to rule. So ask yourself this question, who or what has God put under my care? And how do we do that? How do we show care? And that is by turning to God for wisdom, for guidance, to let him reign in you first and so that you will know how to better lead and reign. I like this quote, um, this quote from uh, David Platt. God is not just sitting off distant with his sovereign rule and reign amidst urgent need in the world. He is calling his people to act, to be a reflection of his character and his love and his mercy and his justice in a world like this. And there's so much darkness in this world. Um, people love darkness. They're all heading to a death. They will perish by default. We all die unless um, we are born again, unless we believe. I'm reminded of Micah 6, 8, to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And that is our responsibility. So kingdom living is about letting God reign through us. And letting God reign through us might look something like this. Um, being flexible and maybe spontaneous and letting God lead you as, um, through the spirit prompting you to go someplace or to say something or to change your plans or to take risks for him. Last week, I was in um, COCM. I had bought a train ticket to come home, actually, um, because we were having a debrief meeting um, in COCM. And, um, but, the change, um, but there was a change in the plan. Um, there was a change of plan. Instead, after a very um, crazy food coma, sous vide, meat feast, barbecue thing um, from Josh, um, Derek was also with us, and he was getting a bit sleepy. And I thought, oh, maybe I should um, sacrifice my expensive train ticket, my 50-minute train um, ride, and sit it with him in the car for an hour and a half um, just to come back to Birmingham, um, which, is, which is also good because I, really, I actually really like um, road trip journeys, one-to-ones, um, just to talk with people for a long time in the car. Um, but I, I knew that this was what, um, what I needed to do. God was telling me, maybe it's you know, time to just, yeah, have a nice chat with Derek um, for a good 1.5 hours. Um, I don't think he realized it, but God was actually speaking um, to me directly through Derek. Um, God was clearly reigning in Derek's life. Um, and God wanted to show me you know, what that looked like. Um, and Derek, I was asking him, you know, how was this quiet time? And he was telling me, oh, um, 
every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., we, we, you know, me and two other brothers in church, we have this Skype call with this pastor over in Australia with a time difference, and we're really exploring this um, devotional together. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really, um, that sounds really good. That sounds really committed. Um, that sounds really like really encouraging, actually. And um, I asked him what he learned, and he he really spoke into me at that moment in time. Um, God was speaking through him um, to me. And it's just what I needed to hear. Um, And he shared about how to be alive, you have to have sustenance. You have to have food. You have to have spiritual feeding. To be alive, you have to have spiritual feeding. Food is the concept of eating. And that is us feasting on God's word, eating spiritual food. And then you also need to exercise Otherwise, you just get fat. You're just constantly eating and nothing else. You're not exercising. You're just like sat there spectating and not doing anything and passive. Exercise through serving and through living it out, living out what you've learned, living out your faith. And to be alive, you also need to breathe. And, and he, he told me that, you know, breathing is about prayer. Um, prayer needs to be all the time like breathing. And so all these three things combined, it helps actually, because if you just, if you just do the eating, you're not exercising. If you're just, you're just breathing and you're not eating or you're not exercising, that, that's no good as well. You need to, need to be doing all three, um, eating, exercising, and, um, and breathing prayer. And he told me, um, we can't just be doing all those things, but we all need to be doing all three together to keep on living. And I love that. Um, all because Derek was doing his devotional and he was learning so much meat. And, um, and he, God really spoke to him through me. And um, I think if we are all active in our devotional times with the Lord, if we were all letting God reign in us and through us, we would really demonstrate God's reign here on earth and within our own communities. And that's where um, joining a life group is a really great place to start, um, to be encouraged by one another and to encourage one another, to pray with each other, to share God's reign in our lives and letting God reign through us into other people's lives. So to ask yourself, am I letting God reign in my life and through my life? Is what I'm doing set an example of Christ's kingdom and love? Is what I'm wearing leading people to Christ or drawing people to be tempted? Are my actions the same as what I'm singing in worship on a Sunday? Are my actions the same as, you know, um, what I'm preaching, what I'm telling people? Am I letting God reign in my social media presence? Or am I the king over everything? My choices, my bragging online... Am I letting God reign in every single aspect of my life? Am I letting God reign in my life and through my life? We're all made in um, his image. We are reflections of a great king. We are royalty. We are special. We are precious in his sight. And he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. We're designed with a purpose and responsibility to reflect him. We are made in his image. He designed us for a community and connection with him and with others. And he desires for us to join his realm, his kingdom, as citizens of heaven, growing in depth and richness of his love. And finally, God wants you to daily repent, daily believe, daily seek after his kingdom. 
by letting him reign in your life and by letting God's kingdom reign through you to, to other people. Reigning in your life and reigning through you to those around you that have yet to hear the good news. We're here in this earth. It's such a dark place. You all know that. Um, but he wants to use you to reign through you and in you to others. So that others can hear the good news too. And that is the kingdom vision. He wants you to be following after him and sharing that. And if I were to sum up um, the, you know, God's reign, kingdom reign, that can inspire us to have kingdom vision, it's this verse, Colossians 1, 15 to 17. It reads, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And this is kingdom living. We have such a great big God, a mighty king above all kings. So I want to ask, do you accept Jesus as Lord and king over your life? Is he king over your life? Or do you make God your last resort, making him... Um, you know, the backup plan? Is he your first response? Is he the, the first, um, do you pray to him right away? Um, or do you just, you know, pray as an afterthought? Are we letting him reign? Are you letting him reign in your life and through your life to others? To put him first and to pray to him. Are we seeking his kingdom first? Let's pray. I'm praying um, based on Psalm 145. Father, we exalt you, our God and our King. We will keep praising your name forever and ever. Every day we will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great are you, Lord, and most worthy of praise. Your greatness no one can fathom. From generation to the next, we share your works to one another, sharing of your mighty acts. Lord, you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. For you are God, good to all. You have compassion on all you have made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. May we continually tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. For you are trustworthy in all you promise, faithful in all your ways. And we know you are near to all who call on you, to all who call on you in truth. May our mouths continually speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. I invite the worship team to come up.